the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back and happy Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. Sorry for the hesitancy. I was just kind of doing some back-of-the-envelope math here on an interesting story. You no doubt have heard about it, if not laughed about it. But it's not something to laugh about, really. And it has to do with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's attendance at the Metropolitan Gala in a Tax the Rich dress. There's a lot about the cost of the event she went to while wearing a dress that said Tax the Rich. Less about the designer of the dress. Now, the reason I point this out is people are pointing out rightly so and rightfully so that it costed $35,000 to attend a gala, this gala, not a gala, this gala, 35000 Did you get your invite for it, Bill? You did not get the invite for the $35,000. Well, it was all about the gala and, of course, the dress, too. And so I decided to look up the um, the designer and just see, well, you know, maybe there are some mitigating factors like the dresses are really inexpensive and she was trying to promote it. No, no, I'm looking at this designer's clothing uh, website and seeing that most of her items uh, start at four figures in the thousands of dollars. Now, I don't think anyone should necessarily be punished for going to a nice event or made sport of, but she was maskless, and she did say that wherever she went – Most recently, wherever she went, she would always wear a mask indoors and out. But you don't interfere with masks. You don't let masking interfere with a gala that people are spending $35,000 to attend and see your clothing and your, guess what, face. Your face. Now, I was just thinking about this. So people pony up $35,000 to go to this gala knowing that it'll be a good time of sorts, probably live music, probably some dancing, booze, no doubt, and food. But one of the things people go to is also to see and rub elbows with, perhaps take a picture with celebrities, their legislators, people who showed up there like Bill de Blasio and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. 35000 bucks to do that. And it just dawned on me, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a congresswoman from a part of New York. Um, We have our own congresspeople here in Arizona. We have people who are her colleagues, um, Andy Biggs, uh, David Schweikert. They're all right in this uh, in this Debbie Lesko. Those three are well within their districts, totally within earshot of this radio station. And then you can go a little bit north and a little south and others, too. But I'd say those three are the closest to this radio station. Our most recent uh, recent event included Andy Biggs and uh, other celebrities 
other celebrities that included national radio hosts. We can do this for you. We can do this for you at a savings of $34,900. $34,900. Yeah, our tickets cost, you know, uh, a little bit because we have to pay for the flights and stuff, transportation people, especially if they don't live here. But um, $35,000 versus $100,000. Just so you know what goes on in the culture of New York and what goes on in the culture of the Democratic Party. Okay, just just I wanted that point out there. You can have awfully nice events. I will tell you, I will tell you this without any sarcasm meant whatsoever or 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 in fact, um, uh, uh, what's what's the word? I, I, with no sarcasm and um, no, uh, no, certainly no hypocrisy, but also with no exaggeration that the event people come to when we do it, whether it's with Andy Biggs and Seb Gorka and Mike Gall, uh, our other events, Larry Elder, I bet you people remember them a lot longer. I bet you they're a lot more meaningful than these $35,000, $5,000 dress events. Now, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has only really one problem, aside from her politics, which to her isn't a problem. But this, she does have one problem. She doesn't know when to shut up, doesn't know when to stop, doesn't know when to go quiet. So she posts on uh, Instagram today a defense of what she did. She wrote, I thought about the criticism I'd get, but honestly, I and my body, not, not English, I thought about the criticism I'd get, but honestly, I and my body have been so heavily and relentlessly policed from all corners politically since the moment I won my election that it's kind of become expected and normalized to me. Am I the first one to wonder what she's talking about when she says her body have been heavily her body has been heavily and relentlessly policed? Am I the first one to wonder what the heck she's talking about? Has her body been policed? Has it been heavily policed? Relentlessly? It's the first time. Yeah, I. any of them. Has anyone said anything about the physical attributes of a- AOC or, yeah, good point, Rashida Tlaib or Ilan Omar or Ayanna Presley at all, ever? I've never seen it. I don't know. Okay, so this is what you call the straw man. Set up an argument that doesn't exist and go whole hog on it. Destroy the argument that doesn't exist so that people think, you have the moral high ground. We do this a lot. Didn't we do it a lot with masking? We did this a lot with masking. What was it about the muscle? It's What was it? You're not a weakling if you were. Yeah. And that was put on a pugilist, a boxer, an MMA fighter or something like that. Yeah. An argument no one had ever made. No one ever said masks are for the weak. I don't think. <laughs> I really don't. I, I know the I know those who are against the masks Pretty well. <laughs> I don't think anyone has. I know them pretty well. There were only five of. <laughs> there were only five of us when it started. I'm glad to have 500 now, at least with microphones in front of their faces or cameras in front of their faces. Okay, she continues. The irony is that when women in power take the prospect of criticism, to be cautious in their actions, they are then criticized for being inauthentic and too calculated. The irony is that women in power take the prospect of criticism 
to be cautious in their actions. They are then criticized for being when they do to calculate. No idea what she's talking about. Ultimately, the haters hated and the people who are thoughtful were thoughtful. But we all had a conversation about taxing the rich in front of the very people who lobby against it and punctured the fourth wall of excess and spectacle. Huh. Not quite. I guess she says she was speaking truth to power because she showed up to a room full of people who voted for her and Bill de Blasio. And the people she says these are the people who are against higher taxes. (laughs) <laughs> I bet you there wasn't one Trump voter in the room. I bet you there wasn't one. Speaking truth to power. Honestly, you know what? If she wanted to speak truth to power, she would submit to one uncomfortable or at least a priori uncomfortable interview. An interview with someone she doesn't preternaturally or a priori agree with. A lot of congressmen do, by the way. I've seen Andy Biggs on MSNBC and CNN as much as I have seen a lot of our guys. A lot of our guys. You know what's interesting now that I think about it? Because the next name I was going to say I've seen on those other networks is Jim Jordan. You know what I was going to say? This is an interesting thought, perhaps. They tend to be members of the Freedom Caucus who go on the other networks. And I wonder if there is not a correlation there that the more convicted you are, And the better you feel, the more comfortable you feel with your argument and the fact that you even have a position that you can defend, the more comfortable you are going into, quote unquote, opposition territory. I was going to say enemy territory. I don't like thinking of our fellow Americans as enemies. We aren't enemies but friends, Lincoln said. They're our political opponents, Thomas Jefferson said. Now, I know the Democrats want to make enemies of us. We, not so much them. And I'll come back to that point. That's a big point, too, based on a uh, op-ed in today's Arizona Republic. Bill, remind me to get into that. It was written by a retired history teacher here in Arizona, and I'm glad he's retired. I'm glad he's retired. I'm glad he is no longer giving bad history in the classroom. I'll tell you more about that as well as the rest of AOC's defense. It's hypocrisy is not the word. I don't hypocrisy doesn't mean anything anymore, but it's an insight into their world and their thinking, which is also something I wanted to talk about today and how powerful it is. Oh, there's a lot to do today, including Kurt Schlichter joining us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Uh, let me let me do the AOC thing in a second. I'll continue on that. Then i got to get to Mark Milley and some other things in our news. But first, Chris is in surprise on uh, another news item of the day, a sad one. Chris, go right ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just calling about the uh, passing of Norm MacDonald. Yep. And uh, just how he's just such a great uh, comedian, just, uh, you know, wonderful comedian. And what's funny is... Uh, I was just listening. I got sucked into the whole YouTube thing where you're listening to him and Dennis Miller. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do get sucked into those. I do that with Johnny Carson sometimes or Doc Sevenson. Yeah, Yeah, you get sucked in. Yeah. Yeah. And like all day yesterday and then today, my my wife got the um, alert on her phone. And, you know, uh, your wife says she's like, uh, hey, guess who died today? And I'm like, and then it just like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, wow. And one of them why did it just hit you a as a ton season. of bricks? Were you were you uh, were you a big fan well, in the '90s when he was on SNL or yeah. since? I'm just curious oh, yeah. the SNL, impact he I've had on you. Him. Yeah, 
yeah, since SNL, and then I loved his uh, just his wit, his his humor, his uh, just you know poking fun at just you know the left. You know, he poked fun at the left a lot, and he uh, he's really just just a common sense type of comedian. You know, he, he pointed out the obvious and made fun of it. Yeah, I've been reading some reviews because my memory of him was a little more faded than yours. I certainly would have recognized him if he came into a restaurant or somewhere I was, no question. And I certainly watched him in the 90s, early 90s as I recall it, um, and when he was on SNL and all that. But some of the reviews I've read today, just a couple or three, uh, said that uh, his career faded after Saturday Night Live, but to comedians who stay in the business, they noted his comedy got better. And he did an awful lot of good stand-up work, some other stuff, some podcasts. Um, But you do wonder about some of these people from Saturday Night Live once they leave. You wonder about these careers that were big and you forget about these people. He had in um, his own memoir kind of a chilling and haunting paragraph about his career that uh, I think will ring true. It's haunting because I think it rings true for a lot of people. Can I read it to you? I just pulled it up. Uh, I, I had it here I was, in case I didn't get a um, – in, in, in case it, you know the McDonald passing came up and you brought it up. So in his memoir, he wrote, It can be difficult to define yourself by something that happened so long ago and is gone forever. It's like a fellow at the end of the bar telling no one in particular about the medal he won in high school track, the one he still wears around his neck. The only thing an old man can tell a young man is that it goes fast, real fast. And if you're not careful, it's too late. Of course, the young man will never understand this. But it's impossible for me to be bitter because I've been lucky. Um, Haunting and yet so true, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So true. So we shall miss uh, another good entertainer. You know, I um, when I was a kid, Chris, sounds like we might be about the same age, but when I was a kid, I used to collect autographs. You know, I just loved to, and I had a pretty darn good collection. Um, tell you about it someday. But as I got older, um, and I would, you know, occasionally run into or walk by someone who might be in the public eye, a celebrity or whatever – I learned to say something different, particularly to comedians. So I remember um, I was walking through the lobby of a hotel and Jeff Garland, you know, the guy from Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry, Larry Davids. Uh-huh. He's a stand-up comic, too. Oh, yeah. He was just, uh, he was just sitting there. Yeah, he has a TV guy, right? show on network. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't watch TV, but yeah, I know who he The is. Goldbergs. I yeah, thanks, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he has a show called The Goldbergs. Not good yeah. So I just walked by and I said without – because, you know, a lot of these people – You never know what they're going through or they're doing. And so I just walked by now and I said to him, and I said it to about three or four people since, thanks for making us laugh. Thanks for making us laugh. I think it's important that a society recognizes that we need that. We need that. Especially nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's important. I don't mean to make too big a thing of it, but um, as long as we're taking a minute to praise a comedian, let's do one who didn't divide us. Norm MacDonald. Yeah. He was not divisive. And li- listen to some of his old uh, podcast stuff with Dennis Miller. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it, it's is it fair to say on those? I is it fair to say Dennis is a little more political than Norm? I think it is. Yes, yes, he is. But but Norm MacDonald was uh, he got in a lot of trouble for uh, because he supported or he I don't know if he supported or he met with uh, 
George W. Bush, and he he supported Ju- uh, Giuliani and the um, oh, did he? Okay. Back in, when he was running for president in two thousand. Oh, did he? Uh, did Norm Macdonald do? Th- Dennis or Norm? Yeah. Norm. Norm Macdonald. No supported, kidding. Uh, no kidding. I knew Dennis Giuliani. did. I didn't know if that was Norm too. Well, and then he was he was pro life. Uh, did not know he that. Pro life. Yeah, he he has a funny joke. He, uh, you'd have to listen to it. I can't do it because I'm not a comedian, but it's hilarious where he talks about. You know, you know his wit, how he's like, the thing I'm against abortion is how women shouldn't choose to murder their baby. You know how he how he talks? Yeah. But it, it was just, it was funny. You know, the way he put it, something so serious and like, but he, he put like a spin on it that would just make you crack up. Yeah, the joke I'm seeing uh, here, and it's got its own cleverness to it. I mean, it's, it's you know... It's. I saw one written up, and I and I thought it was interesting enough. I'll just repeat it on air. I don't mean to get in trouble or or or, or pick at wounds here, but he said if um, if you like remember Jeffrey Epstein as a monster destroying the lives with wicked nonchalance, that's fine for me. I'll always remember him as the man who killed Jeffrey Epstein. Kind of, kind of, you know, take anyone who takes a, a yeah. you know, a beat or two to make you think about the joke, and it is funny, and it gets you to laugh, like you just did. Yeah. That's a good comedian. Yeah, yeah, that's a good absolutely. comedian. He's, he's comedians are at, at the of, best. Comedians are at base political philosophers. Yeah, he made you think. Uh huh. You bet. Like George Carlin, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen a, Have you seen George Carlin on viruses? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. The, about the, and, uh, the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we could use okay. George Carlin right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah could, he's great. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else can I tell you, Chris? What else is on your mind? Uh, oh, that's about it. Uh, I I have some other things. That's just what was on my mind. You know, I listen to your show every day pretty Thank much. You. And, you know, I, I don't call in a lot. I just had to call in about that. Well, we're happy. Whatever it takes. Happy to have a discussion. I not talking about it, yeah. you know, so. Well, we, we say politics and culture, and we really mean it. We really do. Yeah. And if yeah, I could absolutely. do exclusively culture, I would, the pro- because I, I prefer it. And I, in fact, think it's more important than politics. Daniel Moynihan once famously said that um, because that I, th- I think it affects more of our lives. But politics has intruded, and it thinks it's the culture now. Politics now thinks it's the culture when the truth is it should be shaped by it and not the other way around. So all praise and rest in peace to those who gave us a little humor, a little insight, made us think. Rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. Thanks for the call, Chris. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Interesting question. If you had to listen to one band all day, what would it be or one musician? I, I, I think we could come up with a bunch of answers, but Bill, let's keep a list because I think the cars are on that list. I know you and I have different musical, but you would you don't think that it's an unacceptable answer, do you? What's that supposed to mean? Who do you think you are, Anthony Blinken? You, you don't want to answer the question? <laughs> it's fine for you. Let's start with the cars. If you had to listen to a band all day and it wouldn't make you insane, right? It's not like saying listening to Hanson all day. I think they only have one song. <laughs> anyway, let me return to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for a minute because there's a lot here. And I'm going to 
tie it to a bigger problem we have. So bear with me. It's not just AOC and a cute, funny, conservative hit piece or hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is not the issue here. It's something far deeper. She's written an Instagram post about defending her attendance at this event last night, uh, wearing uh, a five-figured cost dress and a $35,000 ticketed event while she says tax the rich more. Um, She says, honestly, our culture is deeply disdainful and unsupportive of women, especially women of color and working class women and LGBTQ immigrant, etc. from the bottom up, whether it's a lack of child care support or especially reserving pillory for elected women and femme people. Does any reporter – let me reverse this because I know how this works as you do. Every reporter who reads that will say, oh, okay." None will say to her, can you give us an example? Can you give us an example? I have one in my mind. Amy Comey Barrett. How much respect was she given when the left showed up en masse in handmaidens' gowns and hats – protesting at the Supreme Court. How much respect did the left go to the Washington Post editorials on Amy Comey Barrett or the New York Times and see what kind of respect they had for women? Or think about the last time we put a woman on the vice presidential ticket and tell me as Republicans how proud you were that the mainstream media was so glad to see we put a woman on a presidential ticket or a vice president as a vice presidential nominee. They pretty proud of all that, were they? The left saluted all that? Or am I right in what I say? I guarantee you, Amy Barrett, Sarah Palin, and I could come up with a whole slew of other women, got a lot more disdain than any Democratic woman. A lot. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. She doesn't care about disdain and non-support of women. She complains and cares about disdain and non-support of Democratic Party women. Where was she on Andrew Cuomo? Where was she on the governor of Virginia? Where was she on the lieutenant governor of Virginia. She goes on to say, the more intersection one has, the deeper the disdain. Hmm. Larry Elder is the new black face. Sorry, Larry Elder is the new white face of the Republican Party. Really? Really? The more intersectional You are the deeper the disdain. Did you complain about that, AOC? Did you talk about that? Did you talk about a woman in a gorilla mask throwing projectiles at Larry Elder? Did you complain about that? Or is he not intersectional enough for you? I am so used to doing the same exact thing that men do, including popular male progressive elected officials and getting a completely different response. So all I can do is acknowledge that reality and make decisions as I am and as I go through my life. Well, I don't know. 
I don't know that it's true. I think people call her out for her socialism. I think people call her out for saying stupid things. And I got to tell you, you know, I don't know if the bill was 35000 but we were probably even harder on Gavin Newsom for engaging in somewhat less behavior than you did here. I would say you are just wrong. And using this example of being caught maskless and attending the kind of thing that no socialist ever attended before, unless they were the president of the country, and saying, yeah, men do it all the time and don't get critiqued, guess what? They don't. Bernie Sanders wouldn't have walked in there. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I want to get to something important about history, American history, and our current politics based on an awful op-ed in the Arizona Republic today from someone who claims to be a retired history teacher. I'm glad he's retired. Uh, I'll get to that in just a moment. But first, yes, today, of course, if it rings a bell, September 14th is the day of the recall in California I don't have any particularly extra insights, except I will say this. It's interesting to me that, you know, anyone who listens to this show will know that we get callers probably two or three a week. That's a minimum who talk about why the GOP and conservative movement can't fight as hard or as smartly even as the Democratic Party. And. This this uh, <laughs> this uh, pestilent priest has been with us for some time, but if you want an example of it in sharp relief, let's look at what's taking place in California with the recall election. If you've turned on the news and seen coverage of it in the last few days, you would take note of a few things that on behalf of Gavin Newsom is the entire Democratic Party across the country including a purportedly very busy vice president and president who went out there in the last four days, both of whom went out to campaign for Gavin Newsom over the last four days, as well as a number of senators from Elizabeth Warren to Amy Klobuchar, others. The National Democratic Party and apparatus understands what's at stake in California. A month or so ago, The recall in California had two really interesting data points. One was that it was a margin of error polling election. That is to say, basically 50-50 could have gone either way. The second is that Larry Elder was leaps and bounds above any other potential replacement. So if it was tipped towards the recall, and if it tips towards the recall by end of day today, Larry Elder will be the next governor. Larry Elder would be and will be the next governor of California, should the vote go our way. But the Democrats have basically emptied the kitchen cabinet to save Gavin Newsom. They know how important it is to have a liberal progressive Democrat in California, and they also know how important it is to have a liberal progressive Democrat in California who may very well appoint the next United States senator. And if it's Larry Elder... We get the majority of the Senate back. 
presuming he nominates a Republican, <laughs> which I don't think we have too much to fear from him doing. Where's the RNC been? I just told you what the Democratic Party was doing. Where's the RNC? As far as I can tell, aside from his talk radio colleagues, as far as I can tell, aside from his talk radio colleagues and Rose McGowan, I don't know of any prominent celebrities that went out for Larry. And I don't know of any national effort from the RNC or the state GOP to make this a reality. The Democrats got the stakes. They knew how to fight for this. Would it have been so hard for our team? Would it have been so hard for the RNC to throw a few bucks his way and an endorsement or at least an endorsement on the recall? Would that have been so hard? Would that have been so hard? Well, the voting's not over, and the reporting I have got is that the lines are long, which is typically good news for Republicans, typically. But we'll see. And if Larry loses by something like five or fewer points... The blame will not be liberal California. The blame will not be liberal California. The blame will be our own house. Which gets me to the op-ed in today's Arizona Republic. It caught my eye because it started with something I rarely see in op-eds, which is an epigraph. You know what an epigraph is? It's a quote from someone else at the top. You usually see it in a book. And it's an epigraph from Abraham Lincoln. So you knew I was going to gel to this. Is there anyone I is there any president I know more about than Abraham Lincoln? Is there any part of history I maybe Reagan, maybe, maybe, maybe. But Lincoln's been my guy since at least 1989. 30 plus years anyway, having studied with uh, some of the most serious Lincoln scholars in the country. So I was attracted to this op-ed. And what was funny about it is the quote. Let me read it to you. Don't interfere with anything in the Constitution. Dash, 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 or ellipses, dot, 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 for it is the only safeguard of our liberties. Do you need to go to Lincoln for that? The reason I ask is it's the most anodyne and unknown thing Lincoln ever said. I, As I say, <laughs> is there a Lincoln book I haven't read? I don't know. There might be. There might be. But that is not one of the go-to quotes. That is not a – so I, I went to look it up. I, I didn't know that quote. Not that I know everything Lincoln said. I just didn't know that quote. I know the general the, – the, you know, the 300 most used ones, I suppose. I didn't know that one. It's from a speech he gave in Michigan in Kalamazoo. It's not a very well-known speech. It's a speech against the extension of slavery, the Kansas-Nebraska Act, and all that. Not a big deal, really, until you get to the meat of the op-ed, which starts off talking about um, the two most important dates to this writer being the 4th of July and September 17th because it's Constitution Day. And then he goes into a little riff on Constitution Day and how important the Constitution is. And then he writes, as you can imagine, quote, it has overcome, the Constitution has overcome two major threats to our republic both resulting from deep divisions within American society and misinterpretations of the Constitution. The first occurred as Lincoln began his term in office. 
when 11 states seceded from the Union. What's the second one? Bill, what's the second assault on our Constitution equivalent to or rivaled only by the Civil War, according to this retired history teacher in Arizona? Of course, you get $100 or $100,000, whatever. Um, You never saw that audio, did you? Did you see that audio of me and Bill Bennett and Jim Woolsey, the former CIA director at UCLA? Chris was here that day. Uh, It may be in the Chris file of my stuff. Check it out. It's kind of fun. It's a UCLA speech where Bill Bennett offered Jim Woolsey $100,000. Anyway, um, I digress. Um, January 6th, rivaling only the Civil War as as the greatest threat, one of only two times our Constitution – has overcome a major threat to our republic. Let's give a history lesson when we come back, shall we? And if you want a little homework during the break, go check out Lincoln's Lyceum speech, a much more well-known speech where he denounces mob violence as a threat to the Constitution. Maybe our history teachers might look at that once in a while. We'll come back and tell you why this is junk thought and rot. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This op-ed in today's uh, Arizona Republic compares January 6th to the Civil War. More than compares, it says there were only two times our Constitution stared down threats. One was the Civil War, the other January 6th. In fact, this history teacher retired writes, the insurrection occurred, the sacred halls of the Capitol were desecrated, Five lives were lost and 14 injured. Five lives were lost? Five lives were lost. Five lives were lost. Why not 500 lives were lost? I mean, three of these lives were stroke or heart attack. How many people die of stroke or heart attack a day? 500? 600? Several hundred thousand a year. Five lives are lost? It's a lie. It's a lie. And it's probably too small. If we're just counting people who were there who have since died. No rioter killed anyone. Rioters who were unarmed were killed. And the investigation and report on it is an absolute disgrace and sham because everyone knows if the race and politics of the victim were different, it would have been a national story and everyone would know Ashley Babbitt's name other than just conservatives. An unarmed woman was shot in the back, killed. That's the only death from a weapon that day. Threats to the Constitution. Desecration of Congress. Evidently, this history uh, uh, teacher doesn't remember the War of 1812, which, by the way, the historian Wilfred McClay points out we won by luck. Luck that Britain was distracted in the war against Napoleon at the same time. The Revolutionary War was obviously before the Constitution. But what about the Great Depression, the assassination of presidents in front of our own 
faces and eyes on live TV, the assassination of Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King in the same year, Watergate, Jim Crow, 9-11. 9-11, we weren't sure we would succeed. The 2020 riots, were they a threat to the Constitution at all? 20 police chiefs across the country resigned for lack of support. 25 people were killed in those riots, killed in, not after, by natural causes. 14,000 arrests. How many insurrectionists were there? I maintain none because no one was charged with the crime of insurrection. How many people have been arrested for January 6th events? 600. 600 versus 14,000. How many died? 25. I'm glad this teacher's retired. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.